Stay in the know with Radio 2000 Podcast. We're celebrating Buidumelo Makube, who joins us on the line. Hey, Buidumelo. Hello, Ntongi. How are you? I'm very well, thanks in yourself. I'm fantastic. I said that you have nine lives because what could have, <laughs> honestly, what could have killed me didn't. In actual fact, it made you stronger, it made you better, it made you run even faster and achieve even more. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. I've been through the most. I've been yes. through the most. Oh, yes, you have. Let's talk about you ending up in prison, which was back in 2009. What, how did you... What happened? Actually, I was sentenced on the 11th of September, 2011, oh, not 2009. Yes. Yes. I, I, I used to work for an insurance company, mm-hmm. one of the biggest insurance companies in the country. I was a claims administrator, later promoted to a claims manager. So um, I was in charge of procurement mm. in, the, in the department. So what happened was all the service providers that were wanted to be loaded onto our system so that they can service the, the company um, were approved by me. So what happened was um, at the time I, I was still married to my ex-husband. Sure. And we had some financial problems in our home. And, at, you know, during Pillow Talk, he said to me, mm. why don't you load me onto one of the, um, on your system, so that I can be one of the suppliers, and then maybe we can generate some an, an income, you know. And um, I fell for it, for, for that. But then, you know, my company at the time, they, they used to allow employees to, to load uh, family members. Yeah. But because I was in a management position, I felt like I didn't have to disclose because of the, the, there was a disclosure um, that you, you had to do. So I didn't disclose. I, I just added him onto the system. And at the time, our marriage was was very, very turbulent. Um, my ex-husband was, was a gambling addict. So half the time, I was indebted. You know, the, the, there was no money to pay for the house. There was no money to pay for the oh. fees, for the school fees and everything. So I thought that by loading him onto the system, it will ease, it will ease our financial burden. So um, the company obviously was under his name, the banking accounts and everything, the money, when the claims were, were paid through, all the money went into, into his account. Mm. And, um, you know, he, he, he would never even spend money on, 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 on uh, onto our household. So what happened was, he was not the only service provider. I had other people that I had procured. So, you know, um, with, with procurement, you get kickbacks. You know, you load somebody onto the system, you say to them, there's a claim, there's been a burglary, go and replace a TV, go and fix the geezer, mm. and they'll give you a kickback of about 5000 10000 That is how I used to survive. Wow, wow. So, what landed me in prison was that in our household, we started, you know, fighting for the money. As in, I put you onto the company system so that we can ease our financial burden. Mm. But now you're squandering the money with your gambling and everything. And I got tired. I was in that relationship for 10 years. Shoot. And we had two kids at the time. And now I got tired of it. I got tired of, of the fights. I got tired of the police. I left our home. <gasps> and when I left... Um, I remember he said to me, oh, you're leaving me. And then, you know, little taller, you know. And I didn't know what he meant by that. So when I got to my workplace, I removed the company from the system. And the, stop, the, the claims and the calls stopped coming through to him. That is when he went to my employer and told my employer that what I did, sometimes we used to inflate the claims so that we, we can, you know, if, if, if the service provider says to me, um, 
the claims about 12,000 and I would add 5,000 to oh say, you know what, after I want to finish the claim, give me the 5,000, I need to pay the fees. So that's how I used to survive. Sure. So he knew the secret of me inflating the claims. So know. I was put under investigation at my company. I was eventually suspended. And I didn't get a chance to go to a hearing because of I absconded yeah. for my job. And I did not know at the time that he was the man behind my suspension because of all the money had stopped coming through. So eventually, about six months later, I was contacted by the Commercial Crimes Unit in Johannesburg. Mm. And they said to me, Sisi, come, we, 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 the, the company has opened a case for you. That is how I was arrested. How long and did you spend? Time, how long were you in jail for? I was in jail for four years. Yo. And by the time I was arrested, um, remember that when when we parted, when when I left my my, my our matrimonial home, we went on a separation for six months. Yeah. We we reconciled just a month or two before my sentencing, and that is how I conceived my baby, who was born behind bars. Oh my so goodness! Actually, I was not even away when I was sentenced. I was four weeks pregnant with my son, Oratile. Then you. So you that's how I left. You spend four years in jail, you're, in, you're pregnant, um, you give birth to your son, and then you come out. How did society receive you after coming um, out of prison? Being incarcerated um, brings a lot of shame to family. Mm. You know, uh, in my view, I, I, I became a, an embarrassment to my entire family. You know, my parents, um, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Makobe, are in Protea North, and they are well-known in the community. You know, my father is very, very active in the church. And when you are incarcerated and you are, re- you are released, you have the stigma of Ruole Bandi, mm. you know? And people always label you. And uh, there are still some people, even now, I still with the, live with the stigma. So I knew that the stigma will be attached to me. So I had to find ways, a coping mechanism in prison as to um, how am I going to deal with that stigma. My family embraced me when I came out of prison. Mm. My family embraced me. Some of the community members, it took them a while to adjust. You know, when you are incarcerated, people would think that, you know, I remember I went to one of the family gatherings and one of the aunts said, you know, and I was not even arrested for shoplifting, you know. That is why I'm saying the stigma will always follow you. But from my family, they they, they, they embraced me. My entire family embraced me and they helped me to be reintegrated back into the in, into the society. Mm. And I got lucky because of uh, I, I studied while I was in prison. I did my degree in education while I was in prison. And when I got out, uh, I got out in December, January the schools were opening and already I sent out my CV and I disclosed to my school that I'm an ex-offender and I was given a, a post, you know, literally three weeks after my after my release. Sure. So that is also part of reintegration and the school and the community embraced me as yeah. well. Yeah. Melo, then you wrote a book, right? I, I guess to, 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 as part of therapy, to tell people about what you've been through. The book is called Losing the Weight, Woman of Steel, From Prison to the Classroom. Clearly, the inspiration is your life. Yes, definitely, definitely. But what motivated me to write the book, it it, it was my experience within the prison system. And when I was sitting in prison and I was looking at all those women, and I I, I remember I held Uratile in my hands, and he must have been three months old, and I said to myself, what am I going to do when I leave prison? And I left my parents with two children, my pensioner parents, with two children, and I'm holding a baby. And remember, at that time, my 
ex-husband had literally abandoned us. So my parents were literally looking after me in prison. Yeah. So I had to find a way of saying to people, um, you can still conquer whatever challenge that you face in life. There is still a chance for you to fight and to become a better person. I wrote my book purely to motivate other women out there who've been through the most like I have been, mm. to tell them that regardless of the situation, regardless of your circumstances, if you put your mind to it, if you put God first, if you pray, and if you believe in yourself, you can be a better person. But do matter, you're, also, you're also a rape survivor. <laughs> How did this trauma shape your perception of men? Because the, the reason why you landed in jail was because of a man. Then you get raped. How did that, your perception of men change? My, my, my rape ordeal happened when I was about eight to nine years old. Uh. And I think that ordeal affected my entire relationships with men. Um, because of rape takes away your being. And it's, it's a lifetime, it's a lifetime trauma. I'm raising two girls. Um, and every time, I don't, I don't trust anybody with, with, yeah. with my kids. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's a brother and if they say, I, I find them, you know, chilling in, in, in the bedroom or chilling in the couch, it, it, it kicks in. So it's a it's lifetime trauma. And I had to deal with it because I, I, I knew that if I don't, then I would never become a better person. And I knew that if I don't educate society about being a rape survivor and talking about it, because also being raped, a lot of people have been have been raped. They don't talk about it. Men and women have mm. been raped. Mm. It, 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 is a, it is a challenge. It is a mental prison. So I had to free myself from that prison and speak about it and educate my children as well, educate the children that I teach that even if you are a rape survivor, you can still become a better person. So it affected my marriage. It affected my relationship because of I still battle with trusting men. Mm. You know, I still think that men are out to get me. Even if, you know, I get a man who's caring and who wants to love me. I have this thing at the back of my mind that, yo, I was violated by a man. So it, it, it's still something that I'm battling with right now. Hence, I'm saying to you, it is a lifeline, a lifetime trauma. And it is still, for me, it is still a, a learning or a healing process. And I don't know if I will ever heal from it, yeah. but I try not to put, to focus on it. Yeah. You are extremely passionate about children and development. Please take us through some of the work that you do in that regard. Okay, what I do... I'm a teacher by profession. Mm. I, I, I acquired my, my teaching profession while I was, I was incarcerated. Yeah. I decided to study and I decided to, to, to change my, my, my destiny and to change my story. Like I'm saying, uh, uh, three weeks after my release, I got a post. I didn't even know that I had passion for children. Sometimes, you know, things happen in our lives and yes. we think that maybe it's bad luck or something. You find that it was your purpose that I was redirected through, through prison in order for me to find my calling. So what I do, I run a Saturday school in Mabopani. Mm. This Saturday school started in Soweto, Protea North. I'm originally from Soweto. Mm. So I started my Saturday school, which is Atlehang Learning and Tutoring Academy. We focus on um, improving the, the, the mass of the children. But what happens is at my academy, I start with the mental. I start with the psych of the child, the psychology of the child. Because mm. of, we don't under, we, sometimes 
we don't understand that children also are going through stuff. Children also have got stress. So I try to bridge the gap between the parent, the teacher, and the school. But I start by building the child psychologically because of once a child is done psychologically, there is no way that this child will able will be able to hear me in the classroom. So I we focus on math, science, accounting, and English Saturday classes. That's what I do. And I also had a homework center. Then we after school they would come and then I would sit down with them with some of my teachers and then we teach them we we assist them with homework. We do That's what I do. Your story is absolutely incredible. For those people that are listening right now and want to purchase the book or actually just want to follow you because they are inspired by what it is that you do, where can they follow you on social media and also where can they purchase the book? They can follow me on um, on Facebook. I am Dumi Dumelo Makobe. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, I am Dumi Makobe. And on Twitter, I am also Dumi Makobe. They can purchase my book directly from me. Mm-hmm. Um, on Facebook, I, I don't want to give out my number because of shoo. That's fine. You don't have <laughs> so to. They can DM me yeah. on Facebook. They can send me an email at makobebuitu at gmail dot com. And also, my book is available at Maponya Mall Lifestyle Bookshop. Also. And how much is it? My book is 300 rand. Okay, that's quite affordable. Stan Wasami, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And we celebrate you for all that you are and you had to overcome. Hey, we do matter. You've lived, girl. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> ah. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you thank so much. You. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much. Radio 2000 Podcast.